Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, know that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament, and Psalms is kind of like right in the middle of the Bible. And so there's Psalms, and then there's Proverbs, and then there's Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We, you know, this series that we have is called Voices, and next week we'll be getting into the ways that God speaks to us. The last several weeks we've been speaking about distractions from his voice. You know, fear is a distraction from the voice of God. And then we talked about how our past, our pedigree can be a distraction from the voice of God. And today I want to talk about how greener grasses can be a distraction from, from the voice of God. You know, because usually greener grasses appear when we're in a hard place, we're in a hard season, that things are difficult, that they're challenging. And so we have these opportunities arise and, and sometimes they look so appealing but, but they're just, sometimes they're just a distraction. And so we're going to talk about these hard seasons so that we, you know, what God is doing in them so that we're not distracted by the greener grasses. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says this, for everything, everybody say everything. everything. For everything, there is a season. For everything, there's a season. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. You know, he just, he goes through different things that we experience in our life, different things that can happen, different things that take place. But he begins with the very first thought being, for everything, there's a season. You know, and I think sometimes that we have to understand that in our seasons that there's things that are going on there. You know, the problem is a lot of times is we don't recognize that we're in a season. We just think we're in a hard place and we're looking for an exit. We're looking for a door. We're looking for the first place to walk out of that and to see what can happen and what can take place. And the truth of the matter is, you know, that a lot of times our prayer is this, is Lord, how long? You know, I, I'll just tell you, I don't like limbo. You know, I, I, I can handle yes, I can handle no. I, I struggle with, well, you know, what's going to happen? I don't know. I, I, and, and I want to know what the finish line is. I don't know, how long am I going to have to do this? How long is this? And the truth of the matter is, is most things, we don't know how long that is. We don't know how long that season is going to last. And so that becomes a huge part of the struggle and a huge part of the challenge. And, and so we have to understand this, that, that this is a season. And so instead of saying, how long is this going to last? Then we have to ask ourselves, God, what is it you're doing in me? Or what is it you're saying to me in the season? If you're taking notes, number one is this. Is it knowing what season we are in gives us context to what God is doing. If you know what season you're in, it gives you context. In other words, if you're in a season of just planting, in other words, you're really not seeing a harvest of too many things in your life. You're just planting. You just keep planting seeds, and there's doesn't feel like there's a ton of fruit, but at least you know this is my season of planting. I'm involved maybe in somebody else's dream, somebody else's vision. I'm making somebody else's relationships are better. You know, until I begin to experience those things in my own life personally, if you understand that's the season that you're in, then it impacts how you hear what God's saying to you in those moments. You know, parenting is a great example. 
you know, if, if you have little, if you have little babies at home, and especially, man, if you're the first time, I mean, there's just something about waking up at two o'clock in the morning, no matter how precious that little baby is, that for most of us isn't fun. Oh man, thank God we get to wake up at two o'clock again today. And this will happen again to us. You know, the phrase, how'd you sleep? I slept like a baby is always a bit of a mystery to me because when you think about babies, they sleep for two hours, wake up and cry. Sleep for two hours, wake up and cry. Sometimes their diapers have to be changed. I, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I don't want to sleep for two hours, wake up and cry, and then you change my diaper. I don't want to do that. And, and so, you know, so we had that. And the truth of the matter is that every season has, has a pain that is unique to it. And often when we're in that season, then all we focus on is the pain. All we focus on is the hard things that we're dealing with. And so our babies become toddlers, and now they're, they're walking everywhere they want to go. They're grabbing stuff, you know, and, just, and you're constantly having to be on. There's, there's no time you can sit down, you know, and they fight sleep, fight naps, and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, the time they want to sleep is when you can't. And, and so we look at that, and then, and then they move up to, they're out of the toddler stage, they're kind of in the pre-K stage, and, and then they enter the, the kind of what I call kind of the childhood stage, and then, and then they, they, you know, pre-adolescent, then they you know, become, you know, full-blown teenagers, and when they enter that teenage years, you understand why some animals eat their young, you get that, you know, and so, so they're going through this whole, whole thing here, and then eventually, they move out, and you're in the empty nest stage, and often we look back on those seasons, that all we could see was the pain and looking forward to the next season and not experience any of the privilege that comes with that season. And we miss the privilege because all we could see was the pain and we couldn't wait to get away from this pain. And all we could think about was the next season that we were in. And you look back on that moment and you're like, man, if only, if only I would have embraced the privilege that comes with this moment. I was so caught up in the pain. I was I was so caught up in the challenges and how hard it is, what a struggle it is, that I didn't enjoy the things that were unique to that season and that moment. I wrote some thoughts down here, is that you can walk out of a door, but you can't walk out of a season. Seasons have time periods. Stop looking for an exit. When you know what season you're in, it helps you understand what God is saying. We know that life has seasons and we prove faithfulness. By responding correctly to each one. And let me say this. God has a word for each season that you're in. That's why it's important you understand the season that you're in. That if you understand this season, then you know, okay, God, what is it you want to say to me about parenting in this season? Okay, God, what is it you want me to say about, about the relationship? What, do you want to, what is it you want to say about my marriage in this moment? What is it you want to say about the things that I'm dreaming about? You know, I've got this job right here that pays the bills, but ultimately I don't feel like it's what I'm called to do or gifted to do or where I want to be. But what is it you want to say to me in this moment? Lord, I'm really dealing with a struggle here. I've got another person involved in my life and they're just not doing right. What is it you want to say to me in this moment? What is it you want to speak to me? And, and let me just say this. I realize this, that each one of those seasons have pain that are kind of familiar to a lot of us. Some people, some of you right now are dealing with a pain or challenge in a season that most of us will never have to deal with. And I don't want to minimize that and make it sound like all pain is the same because anybody that's had as many birthdays as I have knows that that's not the case. You know that there's some pain that's unique in and of itself. But to understand this, that, that instead of saying, and this is, and this, this is the prayer that I, that I want to pray, is how long, how much longer are we going to do this? How much longer is it going to take place like this? 
That instead of having that prayer, that we say, God, what is it you want to, what season am I in? What is it you want to speak to me in this season? That's incredible what he'll do and how it impacts the way that you see that. So number one is this, is that knowing what season we're in gives us context to what God is doing. Let's look at point number two. Go with me, if you would, to James 1. James is in the New Testament. You're in the Old Testament. So James in the New Testament. The New Testament starts with Matthew, and then there's Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. You'll keep going. Romans, keep going. First and Second Corinthians, keep going. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, keep going. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, keep going. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, and James. James was a half-brother of Jesus, so he probably knew some things. And then uh, he became, church history tells us he became a Christ follower after Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus appeared to him. And so he became a believer and a follower and impacted the early church in a huge way. And so this is a letter that he wrote. Now, I've spoken out of James 1, 2 through 4 often because it just, appeal, it just applies to so many areas of our life. And so James chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. Now, stop right there. He's getting ready to tell us how we're supposed to respond how troubles of any kind come our way. I'm excited to see what he's going to tell us to do because maybe he's going to say, hey, brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, be sure and complain about it a lot, right? Or, hey, be sure and grumble about it or get a sour attitude, you know, just, just you, know, feel like, you know, feel entitled, you know, all of those kind of things. Let's see what he says that we should experience when troubles of any kind come our way. So when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Yeah. I do that all the time, <laughs> instinctively. God, thank you for this hard place. Oh, I'm just so joyful. This place is just very difficult for me, and I'm just so glad that it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. Wife's mad at me. Kids have lost their mind. People are driving slow in the left lane. All that. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. How many of you automatically, instinctively count it all joy whenever hard times come up? Let's see your hand. Okay, let's see. One liar, two liar, three liar. Okay, anyway. No, man, we don't do that instinctively, right? I mean, it's, it's not what we just naturally do. No, I get irritated, frustrated. I, I, I want to I tell somebody about it. I want to tell somebody off about it. I mean, you know, all of those things. And yet, he says that we're called to do that, to count it, you know, to count it an opportunity for great joy. He said, for you, no. In other words, because... That when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. He said one of the reasons why we could count it all joy is because when our faith is being tested, it gives our endurance a chance to grow. So he's saying, look, man, the hard seasons help us grow. He goes on to say this, and the rest of us, he said, so let it grow. In other words, don't sabotage it. Don't cut it off. Don't, you know, don't try to skip the season you're in. Let it grow. Let, let it do its work in us. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. That perfect doesn't mean without flaw, but it means mature. It matures us. So many times as parents, man, we, want to we want to rescue our kids from sometimes enduring a hard moment. That's not going to be life-changing. Sometimes it's good for them to experience this pain right here. It keeps them from experiencing a lot of pain later on. Let, let them endure. Let them go through this hard place. Let, you know, so just to endure it, to, to, you'll be fully developed and you'll be perfect and complete. You'll mature in that area needing nothing. In other words, we will have grown. So if you're taking those number to this, 
Enduring hard seasons is where we grow. This, this is the place we grow. And so it requires us sometimes to stay planted. You know, just like nature has its own seasons, and sometimes in the winter we can look at a tree and, and think about this, because it looks like it's not alive, it looks lifeless. But in that season where it looks like nothing's taking place, nothing's going on, the, the sap from the trees is going deep into the roots of the tree, underneath the surface, nourishing it so that when spring comes along, that it can break forth with harvest. And the same thing's true with you and I, that in those hard seasons that we're planted and that we endure, it's amazing the things, the, the work that God does in us. I, I want to read to you from, this is from the book, um, Hearing God. He, he'd taken something from a book that G.K. Chesterton had said, and I thought this was good. He said, the soul doesn't expand because you've seen old castles. It expands because you've been forced to endure grandpa's politics at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah. The, the soul expands because you've had no other option but to make up with your brothers and sisters year after year. Because you've had to learn how to plead your case before your mother who serves as judge, jury, and executioner. Because your father held your feet to the fire when you wanted to give up and taught you the weight of your words and commitments. Because your house was small and you had to share the space, inventing ways to make believe you were some, somewhere else. Following out, I'm sorry, hollowing out metacognitive space in which to dwell. With fairyland opening at the gate is the man with large ideas. His mind creates distance. The motor car stupidly destroys it. Chesterton admits that the greatest outcome of travel is to come back to your home and see it in a new light. But simply seeing new terrain and customs isn't how travel expands the soul. It must be endured. Like your home life and the seventh grader endured, soul expansion is about so much more than experience. It's about rootedness. It's about planting our feet in the hard place and enduring the hard times. It grows us. It grows us. I've shared with you often our experience. And I know some of you that have been here a long time, you've heard these stories you know, double-digit times and could tell them as well as I tell them, but, but it's still my experience and my point of reference, the only life I have, and I'm not making up stories. So um, I could, but I'm not going to. So, you know, again, you know that when we first got in student ministry in Clovis, that is very hard for us. Time we, one of the areas we experienced is financially, we were pregnant with our oldest son, David, and we had no insurance. And we we're trying to figure out how we we're going to pay for it. And it was just, it was a really, really hard season. And it didn't end there. We just kind of kept going. And, you know, we'd come home, there'd be those little tags on the door that says, you know, electricity or gas or whatever, you know, is going to be get ready to be cut off. And, and there, were, there was more than one occasion that we would go to the pawn shop and hawk our stuff in order to keep our lights turned on. I mean, and I've shared with you, my dad came down one time and he was like, where's your stuff at? Well, I tried the old, hey, it's in the shop. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, pawn shop. You know, so it was, um, and so he said, nah, he said, we're going to go get that. So he helped us, you know, get it out. But, uh, you know, it took two car loads, load everything up, left, unloaded it, went back, load everything up, came back. And that, and that wasn't over. It, you know, we went through another season. We had to do it. And like, like I've shared with you before, probably the hardest time we were trying to keep our electricity turned on and given everything that we had. And I pulled off my wedding band and how much will you give me for this? And he said, this is what we'll do. And, and so it still wasn't enough. And my wife was there. And so she took off her wedding ring and, and gave it. It was an incredibly hard day for me as a man. I felt like a failure. I was like, who needs this? If I'm not in ministry, I can go work several jobs if I have to. 
and make the money that I need to take care of my family. And I'm struggling. I'm asking my family to struggle and to do without. And in times, I mean, I could be angry. I get angry. And I, wouldn't, I, I didn't struggle with the envy. But, you know, if, I, you know if, if somebody talked about giving, I'm like, I don't have any money to give. And I just remember that, just dealing with that, that pain and that frustration. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that I'd always go back to this, that God had called me. That I, I, was, I was here. That he'd, he'd placed me in ministry. That he trusted me with it. And that always kind of blew me away because I know me. I, I know what I've done, what I'm capable of doing. I know me. And that, that would keep me tough. But you know, another thing would keep me tough is I didn't have options. And back then, I mean, sometimes in that hard place where I'm like, how are we going to make it? How are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to keep our lights on? How are we going to get groceries? All that kind of stuff. That The challenge was, was that, you know, sometimes I get angry because I'm like, I, I don't feel like I have options. Can I tell you this? Looking back on that time, not having an option was a gift. Feeling stuck was a gift. When, when, I, would, when I would get out of my heart, get away from the fact that I have a calling and, and I'm going to endure and persevere because God's called me to, and I would get into my head and begin to look around me at my circumstances and situation and be frustrated, disappointed, angry. That, and, and very vulnerable to making a move that it wasn't time to make yet. That the truth of the matter is, is that had, it not, had, I, had I had an option, I might have made a mistake. Because there's just something about being in that place that grows us that grows us. We, we won't grow without those places. That, you know, we have to experience those times, those moments that grow us, those hard seasons. And again, every season has a pain that's unique to it. But every season also has a place that's not just painful, but a place of privilege or purpose. Just recently, I was, there was a man who, he was a national minister, his wife had passed away, and I was watching him speak the Sunday after his wife passed away, and he said something so unique. He said, I miss my wife, and you know, he's, you know, he's experiencing grief, which is, we should experience grief. But he said, I, the thing that's unique about this moment, he said, that, he said that here on this earth is the only place where I experience the opportunity to experience God's pre, uh, presence in a hard place. He said, I don't get to enjoy that in heaven. There'll be no hard places there. I won't get to experience his presence in heaven like that. Only here can I experience who he is and how great his love and his purpose is here having experienced loss. There's something about seasons that we just have to understand that in those seasons that he grows us. He grows. I look back on the time when I went, had depression for about five years. And as I've shared with you before, I don't think God did that to me. You say, why did it happen? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that in that time that the work that took place in me, even though he may not have been the one that did it, that, that made me depressed, he still did the work. And one of the works is, is that he gave me a compassion for people that were struggling in that same way, the same way I'd struggled that I hadn't had before. I don't think that he's the one that withheld from us 
could made a struggle financially. I think there were so many other things that came into play. Some was our own decisions. But even in that moment that he gave me a compassion for people that are going through a hard place financially, that are struggling, that when we do help them to try to make it void of shame, because I know what that feels like as well. So all of those things that, that take place that you encounter, that they grow us, they, they do a work in us. And just like God has a word for you in the season that you're in, there's an area he's growing you in the season that you're in. I, I look back and just think about all the times that God has been faithful. How it grows. I remember when we first started our student ministry in Clovis, that the first week they promoted it, they were so excited about us and that kind of thing, and, and there were like over 30 kids that show up and we were so excited, and we impressed them so much that the next week there were 20. And so we just, you know, looking back on that, we just realized that, that there was just this, just this time that you just had to, you just had to grow. We did a big event one night. We had 60 kids show up, and it was a mess. And after the time was over, it just reminded me that we weren't ready yet for the 60 kids. But it, it showed us where we needed to grow, and as we continued to grow, it got us to a place that eventually, we, uh, by some study they'd done, that per capita we were reaching more students in our community than any other youth ministry in the, in the country. But it, it took time to get us there. We had to grow to get there. And, and there's always a transition. When you're transitioning out of one season, you're into another. When you transition into a, into a season, you're, you're leaving another. So you know, our, our church, is, you know, it's, it's in a period of growth. And, and so even with how we check in people, we're having to change that to make it more efficient. You know, the, the pain is, is that we're trying to do this better and all that kind of stuff. The blessing is, is that it's a problem that we have to deal with. There are people all over the world that would love to deal with that issue right now. We're fortunate. But it begins with what season are you in? And then in this season, God, what is, it, what is it you're doing in me? What's the word that you have for me? And then, God, I'll be here as long as it takes me to grow. As long as it takes me to mature, to prepare me for the next place, the next thing. It's a work that he does. It's, it's growing. It's growing. It's how it takes place. So number two is this, is that enduring hard seasons is where we grow. Let's look at number three, and we'll, we'll close with this. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. It's, a, um, it's past James. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter wrote this letter to believers, and he said in verse 3, he said, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Everybody say expectation. We live with a great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive his salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. These trials 
will show that your faith is genuine. Read that again. These trials, the trials that you're in right now, will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So again, he said, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested or proven. So in this season, enduring hard seasons, it's where, you know, it's where we're proven at. It's where we get to, you know, it's where we're challenged. It's, it's where what's little becomes much. It's, it's the place that we get to grow in. You know, I, I, I think about this in life and that sometimes I view the places we're heading kind of like a line, you know, that, and we're just kind of, we're kind of staying in line, waiting our turn, getting there. And sometimes there are people that are so incredibly gifted, it's almost as if some hand magically takes them from the end of the line and moves them up ahead of the rest of us. I've never been that guy. And if you are that person, the rest of us don't like you. And so here's... <laughs> and so... <laughs> And sometimes, you know, the favor of God is that. Now, I will tell you what I have seen in this line that we call life. I've seen some people that they've stayed in line, they've endured, they're pushing forward. And just about when they're at the front of the line, for whatever reason, they get out of line and miss their opportunity. And there's just something about enduring is an opportunity for us to trust God. I don't think we've considered this. When you think about Jesus, most of us haven't considered this. There's a book, I think it's called Anonymous. It's a great book. I'd encourage you to read it. But it pointed out this, that Jesus, most of his life, the first 30 years of his life is really not revealed to us. His, his birth is revealed. The, the time at the temple is revealed. Uh, when, you know, when his parents left him there, and, and if you, I don't feel like such a bad parent, his parents left him at church. So anyway, and so they left him there. But then it's years later, it's when he's around 30, that church historians think that, you know, that is about the time his ministry began, when he was baptized and he did the, the miracle at the wedding at Cana. That was kind of the, the coming out, the revealing of who he is and what his mission is. That was 30 years before that happened. And then his ministry was about three years long. So, you know, until he was crucified and was raised from dead. So about 90% of his life was preparation. You know, and the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus was sinless but he was, he was God and human, and so he learned the same way we do. You know, uh, he, he didn't, when he was born, his mother didn't sit him down and go, there you go, baby Jesus, you just walk, you know, and that kind of, that's not what he did. He had to wait till his legs got strong enough, and then he would walk and fall, and walk and fall, and have to get, he learned the same way, even though he was sinless, he wasn't perfect, perfectly developed, perfectly physical, he, he had to grow as a person. And so, so many times, man, it's easy to despise that preparation. It's, it's easy to despise that place because we can feel invisible, unappreciated, voiceless, unseen. One of my favorite moments in the scripture is when, when um, Hagar was, uh, when the angel appeared to her and she was in the wilderness by herself. And when you read this account, this historical account, but if you read it like a story, she's clearly not the headliners in this story. And so she leaves, and I'm sure she felt alone and abandoned, but yet this angel appears to her and he begins to tell her God's plan. And I love, she says, you're the God that sees me. It was a revelation to her in that moment that I'm not invisible to him. And sometimes in these silent seasons, 
a seasons of persevering, we can feel invisible, forgotten. Not just by other people, by even God. Do you even see? And it is in those moments, in those seasons, that we are proven. It's so tempting in the middle of this pain to think, I, I don't want to be in this anymore. I, I want to I go there. And all we see are the greener grasses. All we see are the things up there because all we can think about is getting away from this hard place, this hard season. And if I could just be there, if I could just do that, if I could just be there, all of those, my life would be so much better. Every one of those places has a pain that's unique to it. Every one of those seasons has that. And in the growth and development, you don't get to skip it. You, you stay until you're ready on those kind of seasons. Enduring hard seasons is where we're proven. During conflict, during disappointment, during all of those things is where we're proven it. And we grow. We're planted. We endure. We persevere. And God has a word for you in that season. And sometimes you may not recognize it as his voice because you've never stopped to ask yourself what season I'm in. Or because all you're thinking about is how do I get out of this season instead of God, what are you doing to me and in me in this season? We miss what he's saying. Knowing the season you're in gives context to what God's speaking to you. And he grows you and you're proven there. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. And I, I want you to spend just a moment with God, just there, just, just with him. Just, and, you know, for some of you, you're, you're in an incredibly hard place. Some of you, your season is so hard. It's, it's public right now. Some of you, your season is incredibly challenging. It's private. Just people around you know about it. And some of you, the, the pain in your season is secret. Only you and God know about what you're dealing with right now. But just begin to speak to him. Begin to ask him what it is that he wants you to do in you in this moment. Begin to let him speak to your life and, and ask him what his word is for you in this season. Jesus hasn't, he hasn't abandoned you. He's, he's not even cheering for you from a distance. He's with you in this season. You have his strength to lean on. His wisdom. His presence. You can draw from. He compared it to a well that never runs dry. Let's just spend a moment with God.